Hey, I'm Rich Hunter-Rice and welcome to the 3%ers Business Coaching Podcast, Season 2. great day hope you're having a great week so this is going to be a long episode um really interesting conversation with dr jamil um such an interesting guy and at the time that i interviewed him i hadn't actually done my nlp practitioner those of you who've been following my journey know absolutely love nlp i've always had well it turns out i've been using nlp for a long long time but didn't actually know it now I've got a practitioner certificate, uh, I understand so much more, and oh my God, talk about being hungry to learn, I am signed up for NLP Masters, um, and kicking off next year, which is going to be an exciting journey, but this is where, uh, I my the brief for the 3%ers business coaching is always really, really brief, and I want people to be themselves, I want to be their authentic selves and get their message across. And as I always say, I have the massive privilege of meeting some amazing people, and Dr. Jamil was just one of those. So it is a long one, but bear with it. You will get a stack of gold, of motivation, of life lessons from this. So enjoy, and I'll catch you at the end. Good afternoon, or actually good morning for you. So thank you so much for joining me on the 3%ers Business Coaching Podcast. So Dr. Jamil, would you like to introduce yourself, explain who you are, explain what you do and where you're located, please? Absolutely, Rich. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's wonderful to reconnect with you. And thank you to everyone who's tuning in. Really uh, grateful for your time, your attention here with us today. And so a little bit about me. So I'm from uh, New York. I've been in New York for uh, most of my life, lived in Arizona for five years, but New York, most of it. Everything that I do is centered around helping leaders, champions, and high performers to experience more happiness, peace, and fulfillment as they create an extraordinary life without regret. I do that in many ways. You know, there's life business and relationship coaching, there's naturopathic medicine, there's energy healing, neuro-linguistic programming, hypnotherapy, and the list goes on. <laughs> and it's all about how can I be that, for me at least, I want to in a way, be that one-stop shop that when I meet somebody, I can support them in whatever it is they've got going on, at least to some degree, to help them make their life better. And so the way it typically works, you know, I spend time with you, we have a conversation, we dive deep, and we figure out how you see and how you create your world, your experience of life, how it's not serving you, how it is serving you, and then helping you dive into what are the biggest goals, dreams, and challenges that you're experiencing around your business, your mindset, your relationships, the happiness, the health, the spirituality. It's the full spectrum of that human experience. And we dive deep and we help you show up as the most powerful, competent, capable version of you, which I call the real you. And when you do that, it is incredible how quickly those perceived challenges and problems melt away and also how quickly that goal and that dream becomes realized. And that's just been my deepest passion since I was 14 years old, I started this work working with people from 14 to 15 and you know, I'm 32 right now. So I've been coaching professionally for a little bit over four years and I coached for free for 13 years before that. And so just getting the experience when I was young and then turning it into the business side of things and getting to partner with people all around the world, you know, thankfully because of things like zoom, <laughs> most of my clients are, you know, all around and just getting to connect with them anytime the time zone permits. And it's been beautiful to be a part of that with their lives. 
Uh, it's amazing. I, I love the fact that you've got this great big massive toolkit and you it's it's not one size fits all. It's about, you know, meeting that person and deciding what's the best fit for that person. It's very, very powerful. So you touch on it you touch on it a little bit briefly then. So talk talk to us about your background. So how did you get into this? What does that journey look like for you? Yeah, absolutely. And so definitely there's a much longer story. I'll give a condensed version. <laughs> but essentially uh, when I was 19 years old, I remember I was a sophomore and undergraduate, and uh, I think you guys call it university. <laughs> and uh, as I was in school, um, I had this gut feeling. There was like, so there was this experience where it was, a, it was a Tuesday, and on Friday, I was supposed to be leaving to go to, this, to, go to the Capitol to fight to keep funding for this pre-med group I was a part of. They asked me, you're one of the students here, you're getting benefit from the program, would you mind showing up and supporting? And I said, yeah, sure. We're going to leave Friday morning. We're going to come back Sunday night. Tuesday rolls around and I get this gut feeling, something's not right, don't go. And that came out of nowhere. I didn't really understand it. And like most people, I'd imagine you get that gut feeling, you don't really get it, you ignore it. So then Wednesday rolls around and it came back. Something's not right, don't go. But it was stronger and I kept ignoring it. By Thursday, it was practically yelling at me. Something's not right, don't go. And at that point, it's like, all right, I can't keep ignoring this. And so I reached out to the people. I said, I'm so sorry. You know, something came up. I can't make it. So then Friday rolls around. It's a regular day. Saturday, it's a regular day. And by that point, I'm starting to think, yeah, I guess I just missed this thing and didn't really have an excuse. And then Sunday morning changed my whole life. Uh, Sunday morning, I woke up and my father had a brain aneurysm shortly after I woke up. And for anyone who's not familiar with what that is, think of it like a blood vessel in the brain. Imagine it like a tube. It balloons out. If you're fortunate, you have one of the worst headaches of your life, you go to the hospital and hopefully they take care of you and you're, you're okay. My father wasn't as fortunate and his aneurysm ruptured. And he was in a four hour brain surgery with a less than 5% survival chance. And we were told it was the worst aneurysm the neurosurgeon ever saw. And the thing was that he was in a locked room when he had that aneurysm and I broke the door to get him out. And if I wasn't there, he would have died. And in those four hours, you can imagine it felt like 40 years just waiting for that to finish. And then when it finally did finish, we found out that he survived. Now the doctor had mentioned that because it was the worst aneurysm he'd ever seen and that survival chance was so low that if he did survive, he'd probably be in a coma and never wake up. And I just remember walking into that room, he survives, it's already a miracle, he's in a coma though. And we're told he's in this hypercritical state and he could die at any moment. And in that moment, I had these two experiences. One was this sense of helplessness. It felt like I, I was 19, he was 49. It felt like I walked into the room and I, based on what I'm being told by these doctors and nurses, I'm kind of waiting for him to die, that there's nothing I can do. And then the second aspect, which is the foundation of why I do what I do, was this profound sense of regret. And there was a sense of regret because I felt like I took my relationship with my dad for granted. It felt like I didn't really know him the way that I could have. It felt like at the time at 19, my priorities, I was a track athlete, so it was running, it was working out, it was being with my friends, it was video games and movies, and that's what I really loved. It wasn't, you know, let me really get to know my dad, man to man, soul to soul. Let me learn what this guy's all about. Let me take the lessons that I can get. It wasn't any of that because there was this thought, I've got 20, 30, 40, 50 more years with him. Like, why do I have to do that right now? And then there I was in that room thinking I really messed up. You know, I blew it. I'm not going to have another opportunity. This is it. And I was really fortunate that he survived another three years before he did pass away. 
And in those three years, he was in a coma for a couple months after that. But once he did, once he came out of it, slowly but surely, we helped him make almost a full recovery. And it was fascinating because it was almost as if, not even as if, like everything I, I mentioned earlier that at 14 years old is when I got exposed to the work that I do now. But it was like bite-sized pieces and in increments. At 14, I got exposed to the world of nutrition and holistic medicine and things like that. And I used it to help myself and my own health challenges, but I also used it to help other people. And I, it was this positive momentum because I was getting healthier, they were getting healthier, they were getting off their meds, losing weight, all these things. And I'm sitting there getting so excited. It's like that, that positive reinforcement feedback loop of, wow, this is really working, I wanna learn more. And it became the obsession. And then at 15, I got exposed to the work of Tony Robbins and I, I learned about neuro-linguistic programming, which is the foundation of what he does to help people create change. Think of it like the user's manual of how the mind works, of how creation, how experience is created rather. And so I, I get exposed to him and I'm seeing this guy do in 20 minutes with a person what a therapist in 10 years hadn't been able to do. And I was like, how did he do that? That's when I got exposed to NLP. Then I got exposed to the work of relationships. And I thought about, well, what are the, what's the difference that makes a difference? Why is it that some people are 80, 90 years old and they've been married since they were 17 and they're so in love and other people, they're on their sixth, seventh, eighth, eighth divorce. Like what caused that? And so I just dove in and learned from some of the top marriage therapists and dating coaches in the world and bought their books and their tapes and everything. And a, a consistent theme in my life, in my mind, is a very like uh, exciting and enthusiastic obsession where I find out what it is that I want to learn about and I just go all in to figure that out. And I bring this up because the things that I had learned about health and mindset and relationship and transformation and all these things, it became like the foundation for how I was going to be able to help my dad from 19 to 22 in my life before he passed away. And we helped him make almost a full recovery. I took several years off after college to, to be one of his primary caregivers. And in those three years, for anyone who's been a primary caregiver, you know, when you have someone who's dependent on you, essentially 24 seven, it drains you in every way if you're not taking care of yourself because you're kind of living for somebody else, not for you. And so I had some of my highest highs and some of my lowest lows. You know, I, on the one hand, I got my prayers answered. I got to spend 10 to 15 hours a day with my dad and we did everything together, we went to physical therapy together, we, we ate together, we watched TV together, we went for walks, we did all these things, had great conversations, and he became one of my best friends. And on the other hand, on the lowest low kind of side, you know, my dad was prone to seizures after his aneurysm, and he had them all the time, and he was also prone to short-term memory loss. That was fairly often, but he also had times of longer-term memory loss. And there were moments where he would have one-minute, two-minute, five-minute seizures in my arms, and he's standing up, he's 200 pounds, I'm holding him, phones across the room and I don't have any medical knowledge. And I don't know what's gonna happen. Like the amount of times that we thought he was gonna die, I don't even know, like the, the amount. And, but then you also throw in, there was a moment where he forgot who I was. And I was arguing with him that I wasn't his nephew, you know? And it felt like the ground beneath me just kind of gave out. And at the end of the three years, well, prior to that, in those three years, one of the lessons that I had experienced, you know, I knew it intellectually because we hear things like what I'm about to say, but it was my first experience of it as it relates to like a felt embodied knowing of just the miracle that is today, that right now, every single day, statistically, 150,000 people don't wake up and everyone is tuning in with us right now and listening. You weren't one of those people. And if you're really fortunate, some or all of the people that you care most about, they woke up too. 
And when you realize that, you hit the jackpot right from the morning, right from the get-go. And yet so many of us, we live our life coming from this space that something out of the ordinary has to happen in order us, for us to feel excited or happy or grateful and insert whatever word makes sense to you. And in that moment, that experience taught me, you know, the ordinary is the extraordinary, that there is no ordinary, that I woke up today, my dad woke up and I have today with him. He might not be here tomorrow. He might not even be here later today, but he's here right now. And let me make the most out of that. And then that started to expand in my awareness. And I said, hold on a second. That's true about my mom too. And my sister. And that's true of me. And that's true of every person that I come in contact with. This could be the last time I ever see you. So I started bringing a presence and a depth to all my interactions with people that I never had before, where I really treated this as if it was the last time I might see you. So I'm gonna be fully myself. I'm gonna love you with everything I've got. And we'll see what happens. And I remember one of my cousins gave me one of the, one of, if not the best compliments I've ever received. And, uh, you know, it, I'm known for my hugs. And so she says to me, every, I love your hugs. Every time you hug me, I feel like you're never going to see me again. And when she said that, it just hit me in the heart because that's exactly what I was going for without, you know, putting words to it. And I said, wow, that means the world to me. And I've been very fortunate to get feedback like that throughout my life. And so during those three years, two of my cousins had passed away. One was 20 and one was 21. And the thing was, if you had spoken to either one of those guys when they were 18 or 19 and said, tell me about your life and your dreams and what you're planning, I promise you neither guy would say they'd be dead within two to three years. And I share that with you and that'll make sense in a moment. So after the three years, my dad passed away. And I remember going to his wake and it was a five hour wake and over 7,000 people came. Wow. And I shook every single person and almost everyone said, your dad saved my life. My dad was uh, 52 when he passed. He was a family practice physician. Most of those people hadn't seen him since he was 49 or, or, or before that, because that's when his aneurysm was. And I had felt so humbled by the impact that he had had in his life and people from every walk of life, culture, creed, religion, dress, everything. They were there paying their respects and it was so beautiful to see. But there was also this awareness, this knowing in that moment of I had been playing small, that I was afraid of rejection, that I cared way too much about what other people thought about me. And because of that, I was dimming my shine. I was robbing the world of who I could be. One of my favorite words is enthusiasm, which comes from entheos or antetheos, and it means the God within. And when you radiate enthusiastically, that you radiate that divine spark that is you, that thing that makes you uniquely you. Most of us, I find, we walk around wearing a mask. And the mask is saying, who do I need to be for you to love me? Who do I need to be to be special, to be validated, to be part of the, the, the in crowd, to be popular, to be whatever you want it to be, to be enough. And the challenge is when you wear the mask and you play that game, even when you win, you lose. Because the people that you think like you and love you and accept you, they don't even know you. They know your mask. And deep down, you know that too. That's why something always feels off. Something always feels like you're not being the you that you know you could be being. And so going back to my two cousins who passed away, when I was younger, there was that thought, you know, death happens when you're older. Obviously I had people that I knew that died younger, but it never was so close to home like it was with my dad. So when my cousins passed away, it was like, hold on a second. Here I am at that time, here I am at 22, 21. Both my cousins like died at this age a couple of years ago. How do I know I'm gonna live to 80, 90, 100 years old? This could be my last day today. 
And so going back to the enthusiasm and dimming my shine, I was playing small because I was living from fear. I wasn't living from love. I wasn't living from faith. And so prior to, you know, all this experience, because my dad was a physician, a lot of my uncles were physicians, I was always exposed to medicine. And that's kind of one of the reasons why I think at 14, I got exposed to health and I just dove into it so passionately. But I was always in interested in holistic medicine. Conventional medicine, I think, is really important and it has its place and medications can be life-saving and they're tools and they're important when indicated. And I saw all these doctors from 14 to 22 online, in person, whatever it was, their books, who were treating people, curing things that conventionally we don't believe can be cured. And I was thinking, how are they doing that? And they just had a different paradigm. They had a different understanding of how healing works, how the body works, how disease manifests and how to treat it and how to cure it. And so I was studying all that on my own. And I didn't know about you know holistic medicine in the sense of what naturopathic medicine was. And for anyone who doesn't know, think about naturopathic medicine. It's almost like the best of both worlds. It's you're a, you learn everything conventional physicians learn. You can prescribe medications, you can do all these things, but you also learn acupuncture, you learn mind-body medicine, you learn about botanical medicine, you learn homeopathy, you learn all the stuff that's holistic as well, nutrition, and you can combine them. So I didn't know that existed. So there I was taking care of my dad. He went to sleep one day before he passed away. And, you know, again, you're taking care of this guy who needs you all the time. The only alone time you have is when he goes to sleep. And it was like 9 p.m., 10 p.m. I had a couple hours to myself and I'm watching this medical lecture and this physician just blew me away with what he was sharing. And his name pops up at the end. And instead of MD, the medical doctor in the U.S., that's the designation we use. I think you guys still have something different in the U.K. But instead of MD, it was N, like Nancy, ND. And I said, what is that? And I look into it and I find out there's this whole world that I didn't know about, all these different medical schools around the country that I could attend and it was like, this is exactly what I've been looking for. Now I've been coaching people, I said, you know, for free prior to that around the relationships and the mindset and all these things, but I didn't know this type of medicine existed. And I told myself, you know what? My dream, my goal, like the felt experience in my, in my spirit has always been, someone goes, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like, you know, like, take Tony Robbins, Wayne Dyer and Dr. Oz and smack them all together. And like, that's what I want to do. <laughs> and that was like the vibe. And so... I, uh, after my dad passed away, you know, I stayed with my family for a period of time and did what I could to support. And then it felt like it was finally time to kind of step into the next chapter of my life. And so I moved to Arizona, like I alluded to earlier, and I spent five years there in medical school and finished the process and matured and grew in so many ways and got to just expand in terms of my knowledge base, not only medical, but the people that uh, I met there exposed me to so much of what I do now and it was incredible. And so I finished my five years there, got my license, you know, practiced for a bit. Then I decided, you know, coaching is what I want to do full time because up until that point, it's still all been for free. But when I was in medical school, third and fourth year, you're working with patients. And I was noticing that the patients I was working with, they were getting the greatest results. Some of them even getting cured of things like autoimmune diseases and conditions that they've had for decades and no doctor was able to touch. And as a student, I was able to help them get over it. But it wasn't because like the medical stuff I was doing. It's because of the emotional release work and the forgiveness and then like the coaching side of it that helped them like uncover the emotional root of what some of what they were experiencing was and release it. And when they did that, the problem went away. And that made me realize, you know what? I love medicine. And at the same time, I'll find a way to incorporate it. But this is my calling. This is the work I got to do. And so I graduated, decided, well, if I'm not going to be practicing, I just took on all this debt. <laughs> I can't keep coaching for free. And so I turned it into a business and spent the last four years 
growing, learning, expanding, and doing everything I can to continue to enhance you know the depth that I can take people, enhance the depth that I go within myself. And one of my mentors has a beautiful expression, I can only take a client as deep as I've taken myself. And so in that same kind of way, I'm always working on me. I'm patient zero. <laughs> I'm client zero. I'm always working on myself. And you know, without exaggeration, I've put in six to 10 hours a day for the last 17 or 18 years. And so we're well beyond like 40, 50,000 hours. <laughs> so in that time period, I've just felt very, um, very fortunate, very blessed. And the most exciting thing in my world right now is just getting to partner with people, getting to, like one of my clients. I, I was so fortunate that two of my clients one of them invited the other one on a podcast without me knowing about it. They're both in the podcast and they spent the first like 10, 15 minutes talking about me. And I thought that was just so beautiful. And they were both sharing, they're both in the real estate space, sharing about the impact that our work has had on each other. And one of them mentioned that he, when he hired me, he had this five-year goal and that he got it in nine months. And that to me has always been an aspect of what I love to do with people is what's that goal that you have that's 10 years out in your mind and how can we make it real in 10 months? Why do, why does we gotta wait 10 years and we don't? And combining the energy healing, which is kind of the newest addition to the toolkit over the last year, it has been incredible what that has added to, I had somebody come over you know, yesterday and because you can do this work physically in person, but you can also, and this is where it kind of sounds weird if people aren't into this, <laughs> it, you can do this anywhere in the world because energy doesn't have that physical limitation. And I've, I had a guy in California, again, I'm in New York, across the country, and hear me out for a second, because I was so skeptical about this stuff when I was growing up. For anyone who's listening, I'm there too, if that's where you're at. But there I was in New York. I get a call from this guy in California. He doesn't know about the energy stuff, because I had just gotten trained in it. This is last year. But he says he knew about the medical side. Can you help my brother? And I said, well, you know, I'm across the country. I can't do the physical exam. I can't do any of this stuff, but I'll talk to him. Maybe I can point him in the right direction. We have this long conversation. This guy... He had cancer, he had all this stuff going on, and he had seen in his mind everybody that there is to see. You know, he is a wealthy guy, he's worked with in his mind the best of the best. Nobody gets better. Or as I he's he's not getting better. And I tell him, you know what? I believe things happen for a reason. I don't believe there are mistakes. I just came back from this training. I can't guarantee it's gonna work. So I won't charge you for it, but I'm willing to, you know, do this experience with you. Worst case scenario, nothing happens. Best case scenario we have a miracle. Are you open to that? And he's like, absolutely. I'll do anything. And so we have a 45 minute zoom session. And then I send him energy on my own distance healing one or two minutes a day in the evening before I go to sleep. He tells me that he just did a brain scan with his neurologist and they tell him he has multiple brain aneurysms and strokes that are significant and severe. And they're probably going to create a massive stroke within the next six weeks. And they tell him to probably get his affairs in order because he's probably not going to survive. And they said, there's nothing we can do about it. Excuse me. So we do the energy session and I do the distance healing for him. 10 days later, he texts me with this video message, crying and laughing at the same time. He's in the hospital. He just got a brain scan. His brain's completely normal. The doctors have no idea what happened and they're calling it a miracle. And he has texted me literally every day for a year uh, with a beautiful morning, <laughs> good morning message, you know? And, I'm not surprised. You know, adding that to the work, because prior to that work, you know, it was all about transformation, performance, business, all that. And I still do that, but adding the energy component, it just takes it to such a depth that I wasn't able to do before. 
And so again, you know, to wrap things up here, because I know this is a longer answer to your question, but one of my favorite quotes is the master has mastered the art of being a student forever. Mastery is a mountain with no top. You never arrive. It's never ending. And so to me, you know, my life commitment is to mastery in all these different areas of life that I, that I desire to help people create transformation. And, and so I probably have like, you know, five or six different coaching certifications and all these different things. Now you don't need any of those, <laughs> but I always want to just continue to grow. And, and the way I think about it is everything that I'm learning now, everything that I'm training now, everything I'm experiencing now, that's what's going to help me in three years and five years and 10 years help that person that I would not have been able to help otherwise. And that to me just feels exactly what I'm here to do. And so that's the uh, medium short version <laughs> of uh of my story up until this point. Where do I go? Where do I go from there? I mean, that, that's amazing. Um, there's so many takeaways from what you've just dropped there. I mean, wow, what a journey. What an amazing journey, you know, highs and lows. There's, there's, I was picking notes out just, just so much you, was, you were saying then, you know, the planning small, being present, you know, so so many things that are such current issues now, almost like, illnesses now you know people are just so not present are so not appreciative of what they've got because they're very blind to it all there's, there's, there's so much you've just dropped in there you know you are absolutely a lesson for us all and i think your mission is only going to get bigger and not ever get smaller you know talking about working on yourself how many people don't work on themselves you know how many coaches don't work on themselves or don't work with coaches like that seriously how can you expect anyone else to take you seriously if you've got that mentality then you're just shifting that mindset onto them as well wow i, I don't even know where to start nlp talk to me about nlp because it's something i've been very interested in for a good couple of years i've learned bits and pieces of it but i'm actually finally by the time this episode comes out i will have done my practitioner and hopefully i passed it as well so that's something i'm hitting in a couple of weeks i'm actually doing a five-day intensive on my, my practitioner and if it goes well i am crossing my fingers because studying you know that intensively i don't know how good i'm going to be uh, I, I have the chance to do my uh, master practitioner in february next year yeah, man, it is a wonderful journey to be on that I can, I don't know who you're doing it with, but I can say that it is a, uh, it's added so much depth and richness to my life experience. And so to anyone who's not sure what, what this is, I kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier. So NLP stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. And again, I like to think about it as the user's manual for how experience is created. So think about it like this, a general statement to be with. You don't experience the world the way that it is. You experience the world the way you are. Because everything that you experience is actually, it's not in your head in like a physical thing, but it's in you. And this is what I mean by that. Everything that you experience comes from either your five senses or your thoughts. And if somebody's in like more of like an energetic space, maybe like intuition, like a sixth sense, something like that. But that's my, my point is everything you're experiencing is within you. Right now, you and I are having this on a video, right? So I believe that I see you right now, but that's not true. There's light coming into my eyes and my brain is creating an image and then projecting it out. So I'm seeing you in my head. If I'm listening to your voice or I'm hearing some music, I'm not actually hearing that outside me. There's just sound waves coming into my ear. My brain like translates it and then I hear it in my head. Same thing with touch. Somebody touches you. You're not feeling them. 
you're feeling your nerve endings get stimulated and then you, the, the, like the register of what that is is in you. So when we realize that when we have mental and emotional traumas and emotional baggage and stuck energy that's unreleased from various points in our life from birth to now and even before then, I've seen that too, <laughs> this idea that you project that out. People call it the shadow in psychology. The shadow is the side of your personality, the side of you that you don't accept. You, 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 that's not me. And so you project it out. So when you look around, somebody might say, wow, the world's a really scary, horrible place. Somebody else says, wow, the world's a miracle and everything's beautiful. It's their external perception is based on what's going on on the inside. And so with NLP, it's all about understanding how are you creating this experience for yourself? And then it's kind of turning it into a, it's almost like an ex how a scientist would experiment because NLP is based on a concept called modeling. And so modeling the idea is here's this person who's very successful, relationship, health, finances, in any area. And the idea is that, well, there's a strategy to what they're doing. There's certain actions they're taking and not taking. There's a way that they're thinking about it and not thinking about it. There's certain things they say and don't say. There's a way that they show up and hold their body, all that kind of stuff, and how they prepare and train and all that. And the idea is that, well, if I mimic that to the T, I'll create a similar result. And so it's all about looking at the people that are the highest performing people, how are they doing it, turning it into, in a way, like a strategy, like a recipe, and then being able to do it yourself. And so it's a fascinating practice. And when, again, I combine that with the mental and emotional release process, some people call that timeline therapy, and this idea of understanding that past, present, and future, you know, everything that you've ever experienced is within you right now. And so you might be 30, 40, 50 years old or older or younger. And there you are thinking, you know what? I keep sabotaging my relationships. I can't really make the money that I want to make. I keep plateauing at a certain point. Or some aspect of your success is, not, is kind of being thwarted a little bit. And then you, we, we do the emotional release work and you find out that, you know, ever since you were six, you've been carrying around this core wound of I'm not good enough. I had a, I had a client, real estate guy, massively successful and he tells me I want to be the number one real estate broker in the country and I'm thinking well that's beautiful that's a really nice goal but I didn't stop there and I'm like why is that and we kept diving deep we kept diving deep we kept diving deep we uncovered something he wasn't even aware of he said oh my gosh and I'm like what, 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 you know, what is it and he said if I become the number one real estate broker then maybe I'll finally have enough success that my dad will tell me he loves me and he didn't realize that's what was driving him because ever since he was a kid, his younger sister was considered, you know, perfect as she was. And she got all the attention just for being her. But he had to be the straight A student and the star athlete just to get his dad to say, good job, just to get his dad to say, you know, I love you. I care about you. And so that is so common that somebody, they attach their net worth with their self-worth. They attach their possessions and all the stuff they have outside of them to their worthiness as a human being. And so the, the common core wounds, I'm not good enough, I don't matter, you know, I'm not X enough, I'm too this, I'm too that, I'm not lovable. Things like that that consciously we might not even think about, but unconsciously that is still very present in us. And that's driving all of our behavior, that's driving our fears, that's driving all the things that we use to limit ourselves. And so through the emotional release work and through NLP, excavating that, removing it, and freeing people from that, you know, and then with the energy work, it just adds a whole other layer to it. And so this guy I was working with yesterday, it was a three-pronged approach. We were, he was here for three hours. 
in the first hour, we did the emotional release work, the clearing. Everything up until this moment that doesn't serve him is gone. It's like putting the weight of the world off your shoulders. The second part was this forgiveness process of forgiving every person in your life, past and present, up, up until this point, that you carry some degree of emotional charge with so that you're in this like healed state. And then we go into the energy healing. He walked out of that place a new person. <laughs> he looked so different in his face and his body, the way he carried himself, and he was all lit up. And I've just seen that over and over again, that there is like a recipe. Each of us, we carry with us, you know, some degree of pain. That if we, like you said, most of us don't do that work on ourselves. So if you haven't done the work on yourself, and the work isn't a one-time thing. Like I said, mastery is a never-ending journey. Even if mastery is not what you're striving for, as long as you're in this physical incarnation as a human being, you will always be picking up emotional baggage. And so even when you release it, more is going to come. And so the release work is a consistent thing that you do often. And when we realize that, okay, I have a past. Maybe I've got grudges. I've got anger, sadness, fear, hurt, guilt, resentment, all these things that's in my unconscious that maybe it's driving my emotional reality, how I feel. It's sabotaging the success that I could be creating. And what could be possible if I release that? You know, something I learned from Tony Robbins when I was 15, he says 80% of success is psychology, 20% is strategy. And in my life, I've seen that, this perspective that, you know, how many of us know what to do we know, the, we know the strategy, we take notes, we go to the seminars, we read the book, and we go, this is great, and then we don't do it. And if you don't do it, there's a reason. And there's always a reason. Nothing happens for no reason. Now, you might not know what the reason is, and that's why it's called the unconscious. <laughs> and so when we realize that, it's like, okay, we make the unconscious conscious. You know, I think it was us, uh, well, uh, hold on, uh, not Freud, uh, the other one. Uh, it'll come to me in a second. He said, until you make the unconscious conscious, it's Carl Jung, until you make the unconscious conscious, conscious, it will drive your life and you will call it fate. You know, the unconscious is your programming. And if you don't resolve that programming and recreate it anew, you're running this pattern that doesn't serve you anymore for decades and it runs your whole life. And so, yeah, I, I can I can speak about this stuff forever. So I'm gonna pause because you might want to ask a different. No, question, no, no, not at all. Wonderful. It's it's this is the easiest podcast episode for me ever. I could listen to you all day long. This is blowing me away, left, right, and center. Every sentence is just so powerful. It's almost like this is the therapy session for everyone who's listening to this as well. It's like it opens up such so many questions as well. But um, I think you've just even piqued my. Uh, I'm sorry. May I add one more thing? Of course you can, please. Yeah, I, just because this is very relevant. And so, because this brings in the medical side too, and this is something that I really love because it kind of completes everything. You, We are all holistic beings, you know, mm -hmm. mind, body, spirit, all three. There's a trifecta going on. Now, from a conventional, let's say, thinking perspective, especially conventional medicine, we typically view you as just the physical. And the problem is, you know, you know, part of the energy healing training I have is Hawaiian energy healing. And there's the Hawaiians believe that we each have four bodies. There's a spiritual body, a mental body, an emotional body, and a physical body. And, you know, whatever you whatever problem you have, you'll deal with it at the level of the problem. If I break a bone, you know, meditation is probably not gonna fix that. I need to set it, I gotta do whatever I gotta do physically to fix that problem. But like the patient I alluded to earlier, if I have an autoimmune disease and it stems from the fact that I was abused for 15 years and then after is when the autoimmune disease kicked in and now for decades I've been on medication but it's not getting resolved 
And then I resolve the abuse challenge in my emotional body and my mental body. And then the autoimmune, autoimmune disease goes away. That is letting you know that this is the level that this problem is originating at. And so I bring it up because from a medical perspective, so often we show up and we're treated like, like a machine with parts. And that if one part's broken, you just kind of pull it out, you fix it and you put it back in. So you have, if you have hepatitis, that means you're my liver patient. And that's the way a lot of, unfortunately, people get referred to, you know, Tim is a 46 year old diabetic as if like, that's just who he is. You are not your diagnosis. And when you realize that you have a story, everything that's led up until this point, so much of, you know, what has caused your present condition, if not all is from your story. And when we treat you holistically, we, we understand your story and we understand, you know, what's happened to you up until this point. When's the last time you were healthy? When's the last time you were well? And then what happened? And then we find out there's usually some significant emotional event. There's some trauma. There's some poisoning. There's some something that led to where you're at right now, whether it be a physical condition, a mental, an emotional, all that. And I have just found that you know, like you mentioned, this is a lifelong, you know, process. And I'm grateful to just continue to expand on it. Because as I think about, I get excited when I think about how much I've learned in the last 12 months, let alone the last eight years. And then I think, what about 10, 20, 30, 50 years from now? Like that's and it's exponential in terms of that growth. And just realizing everyone is listening. You have a story, you have beliefs that don't serve you, you have habits that don't serve you. And the beauty is that you're alive right now. And the only time you can do something about it, you can change is today. Like I have a podcast and my podcast is called Transformation Starts Today. And I call it that because I found that most people's favorite day to change their life is tomorrow. And that's why they stay stuck. But you can determine that, you know what? The present moment is all I have because the future is only real in my imagination and the past is only real in my memory. I only have right now. So if there's any aspect of your life you don't like, you can only do something about it now. If you want a different future, you need a different present. And if you don't do something differently now, you're going to get more of what you got in the past. And when we realize that, okay, I've got a relationship that's not working. I've got a health concern that's not working. I've got, I'm not making the money that I want to make. There's always something that you can be doing. And that goes back to that Tony Robbins quote about 80% of success is psychology because it, there's always something you can be doing. But if you're going to talk yourself out of doing it, then it's not gonna happen. Like there's that expression, if you argue for your limitations, you get to keep them. And it's so, so true because these limitations are created by you. And so you're gonna create them through your language. You're gonna fight for them being real. And then they're gonna be real in your experience. It reminds me of the Henry Ford quote, you know, he who thinks he can and he who thinks he can't are both usually right. And it's, just, it's all the same idea. It's all different ways of expressing the same exact thing. All, all to be said, no matter what your life looks like right now, it can be dramatically different a moment from now. And you have the power to do that. And you mentioned it earlier a little bit, like this idea of starting small. It doesn't need to be this giant step that you take that seems so overwhelming and you don't know how to do it. What's the smallest possible step you can take in that right direction to make it a, excuse me, like a simple metaphor. Somebody tells me they've never worked out before and they wanna to start tomorrow. Great. What are you going to do? I'm going to do 5,000 push-ups. You know, that's a bad idea because either you're going to hurt yourself in the process or you're going to just stop short and you're going to give up because you're going to think that, you know, I, I failed. I didn't do it. Or somehow you're going to pull it off and you're going to wake up the next day and you're not going to be able to move. 
And so the point is, don't set out to do 5,000 if you've never worked out. Set out to do one. Do one push-up. Like, you start so small that it's laughable, laughably easy. Of course I could do one push-up, because when you set out for one, you're probably going to do five. And then you feel really good about yourself, and it's easy to keep going. And that same kind of like, could I save 1% of my income? It's better than the zero you're saving now. You know, can, can I go on one date night a month? Because I'm not doing any right now. But if you start with, we're going to have four date nights a week. If you've never done it before, it's probably not going to happen in the way you schedule it. And then you give up. So start small, build it. And everything is hard until it's not. Everything's difficult until it's easy. Everything's unfamiliar until it's familiar. So often, like people think unfamiliar is bad. Unfamiliar is just unfamiliar. It's not good mm. or bad. Yeah. And when we realize, okay, here is a practice that I'm not exposed to yet. I'm not skilled at it. It's not going well, you know, per se. Why are you expecting it to? You've never started. You've never done it before. Allow yourself to suck at it. Allow yourself to throw yourself in and play with it. Expand. Get better as you go. And then a month from now, six months from, from now, a year from now, your life is just unrecognizably amazing compared to where it was previously. I look at my journey in the last just four years that I've been a little bit more than four years that I've been in business. And I think, wow, in four years and two months, I look back and I think the life I'm living right now was a dream 12 months ago. Four years ago, I thought it would have taken so much longer to get to where I'm at right now. And like eight years ago, I couldn't even like perceive really like where I'm at right now. And I still have so much more that I want to do. But I think it's uh, for all of us, it's that balance of you do the emotional release work so that you're at peace with your past. You have a compelling future that you're excited about that pulls you. And you're also grounded in the present knowing that this is the only time you can create that transformation. And when you've got that peace from the past, excitement for the future and the here and now presence, your life becomes that experience of the miracle that it always was. You know, when I think about that story with my dad and I mentioned every day, all these people pass away and you weren't one of them. Every moment right now, your heart's been beating the whole time we've been, you've been listening in this conversation. Are you doing that? You know, your <laughs> cells are replicating right now so that you don't die and you still have a body. Are you doing that? It's like, no, like it's being done. It's all happening. All you got to do is live the life that you want to live. All you got to do is take action. And some people think of it as, well, easier said than done. I'm not trying to say it's easy, but it is simple. You can get clear on what do I want and start making actions in that step. Five years from now, 10 years from now, you're either going to have the life you want or you're going to continue doing what you're doing now, not getting the life you want. And then you're going to look back and go, I really wish I had started that five years ago or 10 years ago because I'd have it now. Like, you know, it's like, why are we waiting? It's like, mm. stop waiting, start living, start creating. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> very, very powerful. Okay. We, we're going to have to do this. We're going to have to do this again and get you on again in the future. It's not too far away to keep going, but let's keep going for now. So we've talked about a bit about your background. We've talked about where, why you are where you are and the amazing work you do and the, the, the extent of the amazing work you do just blows me away. So, is there such a thing as an average day for you? And if there is, what's an average day look like for you? What's that? Do you have a routine or? Yeah, yeah. I love the way you worded that. So I said earlier, you know, 
the ordinary is extraordinary. Absolutely. And another way of applying that, you know, the average day to me is beautiful, but it might not sound like that exciting, right? Like it, it, the ordinary is the extraordinary. So it's all about, keep in mind, this is my thing, but in terms of like, my version of a day, but you know, yours will look however you want it to look. But, you know, I used to have a lot more structure. I used to, you know, I learned from all these different mentors. You got to have the morning routine. You got to have all this stuff. And I had a robust morning routine. It went like from like five in the morning until noon. <laughs> it was like a wow. seven, eight hour morning routine. And, and uh, you're trying to keep that consistent. Uh, you know, it, um, when it worked, it was great. But when it didn't work, it, uh, I beat myself up for it. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to, the things that I do every day, I wake up. One of the first things I think about when I wake up is thank you. I wake up and I'm already feeling I woke up today. If, if, if I get to see family, I get to really spend time with them. I'm very grateful for that. I look at my calendar for the day and I see, you know, which clients do I have the privilege of serving today? And if no one's on the calendar, who else can I serve today? What piece of content can I put out? What podcast can I record? Excuse me. You know, if uh, you know, I work out four to six days, four to six days a week. And so if I'm thinking about is today a day where I'm going to work, go to the gym is today a day where I'm going to rock climb. If it is, you know, I get excited for that. If I'm going to be, you know, focusing on myself in terms of training, you know, what book do I get to read right now? What action do I want to take? It's, it's really it's a little bit of everything and it's not as structured as it used to be. It's a lot more flow. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, with the energy healing work I do now, it's, I train that every day. And so there's a this I used to not be able to feel energy, and as of about seven months ago, I can now, and it's amazingly intense, and I get to play with that, I get to practice it, and to imagine holding your hands up like a foot apart, and imagine feeling like an ocean in between, <laughs> and it's just like there's this like wonderful experience, but I got to practice it, I got to train it, otherwise everyone can do that. By the way, it's a you learn it, but the thing is that. I practice it, I train it, because that's the only way I'm going to get to the level that I want to with it, to be able to help people at the level I want to. And so, you know, my life's mission has kind of infiltrated my day. And th- th- this actually works really well with what I want to share with you. Is it kind of it combines really well. One of the things I say so often when I'm emailing people, when I text people, almost every time, I end my messages by saying, you know, create a meaningful day, all my love, Jamil. And create a meaningful day. I've had someone say to me, how do I do that? And I, and I zoom out first and I'll say, you know, let's say, I never, let's say I might never see you again. So I might say create a meaningful life. And then we go, well, how do I do that? I create a meaningful life by creating a meaningful day. And I create a meaningful day by creating a meaningful moment. So starting with the small. And I create a meaningful moment by deciding what is important to me and what matters and how, what action can I take that moves me in that direction. That's meaningful for you in whatever the area of your life is. And when you have enough of those meaningful moments strung together, you go to sleep that night. And when your head hits that pillow or whatever you're sleeping on, you go, wow, what a day. And there's that, there's that gratitude for what you experienced today. You have enough of those days strung together, you create a meaningful life. And so when I think about my day-to-day life, it's completely wrapped around this purpose that I've created. You know, I have a self-created declaration of I create myself anew every day. There's probably 65 phrases in this thing that I've developed over the years. Each one represents a version of me that I am stepping into and how I choose to create myself. And when I work with my clients, I help them eliminate their past like kind of traumas and emotional 
hangups, let's say, so that we can then recreate their identity as the version of them they want to be. One of my chosen identities, and when I'm, I want to preface this, it's not, it might sound grandiose, so it's not based in arrogance. It's based in declaration. For example, if you decide it, Rich, I am the world's greatest father. That's not you pointing the finger at all the other dads and saying, I'm better than you. That's just you holding yourself to the standard of world's greatest father. Now, would the, would the whole world be a better place if every father said, I am the world's greatest father and backed it up with action? Yeah, it would be. Absolutely. And so in that same kind of way, one of my declarations is I am the greatest life transformation specialist in the world. And in order for me to do that, my day-to-day has to look a certain way. In order for me to get, get the reps in, to get to that point where I could be of that caliber, of that standard. And so when I think about my day-to-day, yeah, you know, some days there's the workouts and some days there's the rock climbing and some days, you know, there's various practices that I do. But in general, every day I, I create myself anew. Every day I practice and train the coaching side, the NLP side, the energy healing side. Every day I'm thinking about how can I give back? How can I serve? How can I contribute? And that's basically my life. And then and I think, you know, I've, I've had friends over the years tell me, what do you do for fun? <laughs> and for the longest time, it's like everything I just said, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like that to me is fun. And at the same time, yeah, like, you know, I love to sing. And so I sing when I, I, I sing as often as I'm able to. And that's fun. You know, I love to dance. I, I love playing music. You know, I, uh, I do. I, you know, I love hanging out with my friends and doing things like that. But my work and my play are so close together that they blend very well. And so that my, my day-to-day is different all the time, but those are kind of the consistencies. Uh, the perfect answer, as always. I think I think if if your work and pleasure is completely separate, then it's never going to work. It, it, that's how you get the most out of life, by having them enjoying what you're doing, and that's where your pleasure comes from. I mean, absolutely. Okay, so if you could go all the way back to your 18-year-old self and give yourself one bit of advice, what would that look like? be you and what i mean by that because it sounds it sh- it's funny uh it should be self-explanatory but, <laughs> but for, mm. most of the time we, we need more contact and so the thing is i believe it's it's an interesting kind of the word that's coming up is paradox it may or may not have actually applied to what i want to say but let's play with it be yourself should be the easiest thing to do in the world nothing's required just be you but so many of us, we have this, like, it's like the onion metaphor. We have so many layers built up why we believe we can't be ourselves, why we believe people won't accept us for us, why we believe we're not good enough, why we believe the, the real me won't cut it. Or if you see the real me, you wouldn't like the real me. All that stuff, that's going to create that life of regret. That's going to create, that is what's creating that feeling that you may have as, as your listen, all the listeners who are tuning in. There might be this feeling, it's, it's like a quiet whisper, or it's screaming at you, one of the two, or anywhere in between, of something's not right. Why are you still doing this? Why are we still here? Like, are, we're not happy. You know this. It's like, there's that voice within us. Like, when you look in the mirror, what do you feel? What do you see? Do you see a version of you that you look back at, and in your mind you hear a voice like, what the hell, what the hell happened to you? Or do you hear like, I'm so proud of you. Like, I love who you're becoming. That doesn't mean that you don't want to make some changes in your life. You want to lose weight. You want the muscle. You want to change something, your hair color, whatever it is. 
it's not about that, but it's about there's this level of acceptance and peace that I think when we arrive at, life becomes so enjoyable, powerful. You attract the right people into your world. In, in, in a way, it's almost like it becomes easy and effortless, but that doesn't mean you're not trying. It doesn't mean you're not doing stuff. It doesn't mean you're not working. But the felt experience, it's, there's no grind. There's no resistance. You're just living your life in alignment with who you want to be. And so when you do that, there you are, you're at a party, you're, you're at a social gathering, or you're in the grocery store, and you're just being your playful self if that's how you want to be, and you meet somebody, and you're interested in being in a relationship. You're not trying to be what you're not. You're not wearing any mask. You're just being you. That person experiences you. They like you or they don't. And if they don't, you like you, so you're cool with it. And if they do like you, then maybe you go out. And then down the road, let's say it turns into an engagement or a marriage or to a long-term relationship, and you're so grateful. Well, that happened because you were being you the whole time. You know, one of my mentors, you know, she's a coach, but she started by doing weight loss work. And she would always tell people who came to her who were significantly overweight, they wanted to lose weight, and they tried all the different diets, and they yo-yoed up and down, and they always gained it back. And she told them, you're never going to be able to keep the weight off until you love your body exactly how it is right now. Weight and all. When you finally f come to the place where you don't need to, lo to lose the weight anymore because you're loving yourself, then you'll lose the weight. Because then you're gonna do the things that will lose the weight, but not because I'm trying to do it out of hatred. Like I'm not losing weight because I hate how I look. I'm losing weight as a byproduct of living just an exciting, extraordinary life of adventure. So I'm dancing and I'm hiking and I'm doing all these things and I'm eating well because this is my temple and I live here and I wanna take care of it. Weight loss happens as a result of that. But if you're doing it as, let's say this, like kind of, I don't like how I look, but it's like a, a hatred kind of thing, that's why motivation based in pain doesn't work in the long term. Because the moment you get out of pain, you stop. And then when you stop, you gain it back. Versus, like I said, having a future that compels you that you're excited about, now you have a motivation based on this excitement that's drawing you in. And ideally, you have both. You have, you're, based, you're running toward the future and you're getting, away, you're getting pushed away from the past. So now you have both. It's even more powerful. But going back to be you, I gave an example of health. I gave an example of relationships. And then you think about your business, your finances, and you go, I'm struggling. I'm not making the money I want to make. Okay, what excites you most? Now, granted, I'm going to, this may or may not be true what I'm about to say. You know, you can make money doing anything. You can make money doing virtually anything. There are people who make money doing things that you wouldn't even believe. I remember hearing mm -hmm. Gary Vee say, there are people making YouTube channels about the Smurfs who make $85,000 a year, American dollars. And it's like, their passion is the Smurfs. But there are people who are enthusiasts about that. And if you're the go-to person and then you make t-shirts and you make hats and you make all this stuff, People will want that. Now, that doesn't mean that you start that t today and tomorrow you're going to make all this money. It might take one, three, five, ten years for that to really build up. So it might be the, like what they call the side hustle, right? It might be a thing you do on the side if you're not doing what you like right now until you can transition. It might take a month. It might take a year. It might take a decade. No one knows. But when we come back to be yourself, like when I mentioned to you when, uh, at my dad's wake, I had that knowing I had been playing small. I was living from that space of fear. I was wearing 50 masks and I wasn't being me. The moment I took that off, there is no difference between the me right now and the me if we went out to dinner. 
There is no difference between me with my clients and me when I was in a relationship. There's no difference. Like, this is how I am all the time. And when I realized that, it's like, okay, you know, it's like, I'm not going to be, this is the version of me at this place. And this is the version of me over here. Cause then those are masks. How can I just be me all the time where work and play blend and it's just me? This is just the authentic expression of my spirit in this world. This is like the love that I have in my heart, the desire I have for other people to create a life that they're in love with. And, you know, just bringing all that energy as often as I can. And it's like that to me is be you. And every one of us has that, that uniqueness. We all have that, what I would call that divine spark. And when we realize that, take the mask off. It might be unfamiliar, not a bad thing. It might be fearful, but a fearful experience. But think about it like this. Courage requires fear to be present. Because courage means you're afraid, but you do it anyway. And why do you do it anyway? You do it anyway because there's something more important on the other side of that fear. And so whatever age you are who's tuning into this, if you know that at some level you're not being the you that you believe you should be being, the not taking the action, the living in that fearful state, means you're going to get more of that and it may even get worse. But having courage means, you know what? Yeah, taking that mask off might be scary. But what's on the other side of that is the rest of my life, the freedom to just be me, the freedom in all areas of my life to serve and contribute to people from a business perspective or philanthropic perspective. Uh, this is the way I want to serve the world from a relationship perspective, from a health perspective, all these things. That to me is the most simple advice that I'd ever received. You know, be, be yourself. Mm. You know, there's an expression that was on, uh, oh, what was it? It was in ancient Greece. Uh, the, the, was it the temple Oracle of Delphi? That was it. And, and she said, know thyself. And then the second side of know thyself is be thyself, which is be you. So it's know who you are, be who you are, and surround yourself with the people that you want to surround yourself with and serve and contribute in the ways that you want to serve and contribute. And what you'll notice, your experience of life gets so much better. But then when somebody says to you who they see you so happy and enthusiastic and they go, like, how do I have a life like that? What, what do you do? It's like confusing almost. It's so simple. You don't know how to answer. It's just like, I don't know. Like, I'm just being me. And, and when we hear that, it's like, I can do that? Like, yeah, yeah, you can do that. It's okay. <laughs> and again, doesn't mean there's not consequences. You know, there are people in your life that you have trained to treat you a certain way for decades maybe. And all of a sudden you take the mask off and you start acting differently. They may not like that because they put you in a box and you're not in that box anymore. And, you know, you might need to change a career. You might need to move. You might have a friends group that's not going to serve you anymore because that they, they were in alignment with the old you, not with the new you that you want to step into. So there's going to be transition. There's going to be change. There's going to be sacrifices maybe in order to build up and get to something else. But again, the time's going to pass anyway. If I ask everyone listening, how old are you? They'll give me a number. And then I'll say, how much time do you have left? And the answer is the same for everybody. I don't know. And when we realize that the answer is, I don't know, then we come from a space of, okay, so if I don't know, it brings up a Steve Jobs quote in my mind. If you live every day of your life as if it was the last, one day you will surely be right. 
And when you come from that space of thinking, I don't know how much time I left, but I have left, but I know I'm alive right now. And I know that I don't like what I'm doing. So then it's like, well, why are you doing it? And then somebody's going to say, well, and they come up with their reason. You know, I have a family. I have kids. I need money. Very true. There's the practical, practical component. I'm not saying quit your job right now and go live your dreams. But I am saying that there is going to be a sacrifice that's going to be made. When you get home and you've got two hours, three hours, 30 minutes, five hours, whatever period of time that you have, are you putting that into just watching TV or whatever you're doing? Or are you putting that into building the next chapter of your life? It's like there's always going to be a sacrifice that's going to be made. You're either going to sacrifice the time and the energy to do what you got to do to build what you want to have, or you're going to sacrifice your dream. Like those are the only options. And when we realize that, it's like, okay, how do I want to handle this? You know, is the version of you that's sacrificing his or her dream life, are you modeling to your kids what you want them to do? Are you, are, you know, are you, are you being the example in your relationship with them and with your spouse, if you have one, and to your friend group, and to, if you have clients and customers to them of the kind of life that they aspire to? And when we realize, when you ask those kind of difficult questions that can be like a little bit hard to hear, you realize, wow, I would never want my kid to live the life that I'm living. Not necessarily like my job, but in terms of like the mindset that I have of how I live my life, living from the space of fear, playing small, doing all that. Realize that your kids are going to follow what you do far more than what you say. And when we realize that, that they model you, I mentioned modeling in NLP, you look at somebody who's got a result and you, you like mimic it, you recreate it in yourself. Kids do that all the time without even thinking about it because they look at you and as a parent, it's like you're their mini God. Like they look at you and they think like, I want to be like dad. I want to be like mom. Or they just realize they don't know any better. That's just what you do. This is how a father treats a son, or this is how a mother treats their child, or this is how one spouse treats another. And they learn that and they bring that into their life. So if you're not going to do it for you, do it for them. And then you realize when you're doing it for them that your life gets a lot better too. But you know, use any point of leverage you can to get yourself out of whatever current funk you seem to be in because no one else is coming. No one's going to save you. Only you can save you. If somebody hires me to work with them, yeah, I can do the emotional release work with them and I can do some energy work with them and we can do all this stuff and come up with the great strategies. But if you don't implement, if you don't change your habits, if you don't actually incorporate what we do, your life isn't going to change at all. And so really, again, nobody, nobody's coming to save you. So when you read that next book and you go to that next seminar or you do whatever it is you're doing, why are you doing it? What's the intention? Is it, I'm going to get this, take some notes and apply the hell out of it and make my life completely different in the next six months? Or is it, I took some great notes and then it goes on the shelf with all my other stuff. And then I never touch it again. And then you wonder why it's been five, 10, 15 years of personal development on your journey and your bookshelf is developed. You haven't. <laughs> and then you realize like nothing's changing. You know, life Absolutely. doesn't change unless we do. And so I started our conversation by saying, from the NLP perspective, you know, you don't experience life the way that it is. You experience it the way you are. So if you say, if I say, how's life? And you're going to answer that honestly. And if your response is boring, monotonous, kind of sucks, you know, I'm not really happy. I'm not fulfilled. That's your external experience of life because internally you're not being you. Wow. Again, thank you. Um, 
we, we're gonna have to carry on we're gonna have to do this another day we're gonna have to we're gonna have to meet up again in a couple of months i'll be interested to have continue this conversation when i've done a bit more of my nlp journey as well because i think it'd be a very very interesting place to be i think this this whole podcast episode now let's call it part one is going to be it, it yeah there's an hour here of amazing content you've been so open and so sharing i really really appreciate your time today joining me for this just anyone who's listening today who wants to find out a bit more about you connect with you what's what's the best way how do you recommend people get in contact I appreciate that, Rich, and I had a lot of fun with you. Thank you so much. Oh and my God, I could do—I literally could sorry. sit here listening to you for hours and hours and hours. This big spider just like came down my face. Oh, I, I didn't like... see it yet, but yeah, I, I'm losing the light here as well. But keep going; it's good. So yeah, how do people connect? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I hope uh, it's not a dangerous spider, but you know, keep going. So how do how's the, what's the best way of people connecting with you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and so. There's a few different ways. And so okay. if someone's interested in having a conversation to see if or how I can support them on their journey, you can just go to my website, which is just my name, jamilsayage.com. And on there, you'll find what my work looks like. You'll find testimonials. You'll find all these different aspects of how I serve people. If you're looking for content, I mentioned I have a podcast, Transformation Starts Today. It's on YouTube. It's on Apple, Spotify, all the different podcast streaming services that I'm aware of. Cool. And um you know, I've been really, I started that back in March. And so we're at episode 20, episode uh, 23, I believe comes out tomorrow, every Tuesday, a new one comes out and the guests have been phenomenal. Excuse me. The people that have been tuning in have told me this podcast is really changing the way they see life and definitely implore everybody, you know, check it out. And then I, you know, I've been making content on Instagram and Facebook for, uh, since 2015. And so eight years, seven years, something like that. And so there's about 800, 900 pieces of videos, blogs, all this stuff. And on Instagram, it's just at Dr. Jamil Sayed, D-R, and then my name. And then it's J-A-M-I-L-S-A-Y-E-G-H. And then on Facebook, it's just my name, Jamil Sayed. And all the content's there. Again, if you want to get in touch personally, you can go to my website and book a call there. And I definitely look forward to that. Like I mentioned, you know, our life changes when we do. And so if this has resonated, take action as a result of this conversation, because this could be the turning point for you where you tuned into this conversation with rich and i and at an hour later something comes from it that changes everything for you whether that's a conversation with me or whether it's a change that you make in your life as a result of this in some other way that's going to be wonderful certainly absolutely and i, I yeah i i can't imagine anyone listening to the whole of this and nothing's resonated with you as well so uh good luck with your spider i still can't see it can you look after him please um I, I, as i said already thank you so much for your time today thank you so much for being you and sharing everything you have and as again part two will be coming up soon i'll be in contact um yeah but just amazing thank you so much thank you so much rich take care of yourself bye-bye so yeah, as I said to you, what an amazing journey. It's, it's a long one, but my God, there's some value there. Um, it's the first time I've listened to it now since it's been edited. I'm just doing the final check. And it, it, Dr. Dramil is amazing, and I highly recommend anyone. You just reach out to him and have that conversation. Go and check out, give him some support and love on his on his channels as well, and just show him, you know, his his worth. Because, my God, what an amazing journey! Some of the some of the takeaways I've I've made notes on. I can only take a client as deep as I've gone myself, 
I say this all the time, there's so much bullshit in coaching out there. And people, if if you are not going to work on yourself, how the hell do you expect anyone else to uh, listen to you and take you seriously? You're not credible. So that lifelong journey, um, you know, the next quote I took away was always working on myself. Absolutely. And then the one I really it hit me hard. Mastery is a mountain with no top. So it just visualize that climbing that mountain is your life's journey, your learning quest, and there is no top. You are never going to get to the top of that mountain. It's just the metaphor for life itself. Life, it's all about the journey. It's not about the destination. And the sooner we learn that, there is some massive clarity that comes. Um, and then the final one was most people's favorite day to make that change is tomorrow Oh my God, how true is that? How many times have you put that thing off because you're going to do, ah, tomorrow's a better day. Today, now nah, I'm okay today. I'll make that change tomorrow. And do you know what happens? You bullshit yourself and it never actually happens. Um, nothing changes life unless you do. <sighs> Again, I could sit talking uh, all day long about this and just the values that was there. And it, you know, it feels it feels like it was too short. So I shall be reaching out to you, Dr. Jamil. We need that second episode booked in. Uh, let's get the new year sorted, and um, we need to continue the conversation. But it, it, it amazing. Uh, what can I say? Amazing. There we are. That wraps it up. Um, I, you can tell the tone of my voice, I'm blown away from that, and I think now I've done the NLP stuff, it hits me even harder as well, but that was just super, literally one of my favourite episodes. So, that is episode, uh, season 2, episode 14, Jaws to a Close. Guys, I hope you send Jamil some love, Dr Jamil some love. Um, if you like this podcast episode, leave me a review, They're always very, very useful. Share it. You'll see on social media the 3%ers Business Coaching Podcast. Let's get this in front of as many people as we can. Our our listener numbers are growing nicely. It's getting to the sort of place I never ever expected or dreamt it would get to, which I am, you know, totally humbled and appreciative of you all. But let's get it sharing out there and let's get in front of more people. And also, if you have a desire to appear on the podcast in 23, now's the time. Reach out to me. Hit the show notes. All my details are in there. Have an amazing day, and I'll catch you soon. Thanks for joining me for this latest episode of the Three Percenters Business Coaching Podcast, and we hope you enjoyed it. So if you've got any feedback, you hunt any further information, or you know some amazing people we need to be talking to, please get in contact. Simply drop us an email to info at minervagrowth.co.uk. Have an amazing day.